You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast brought to you by the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at pigskinpodnet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. Before we dive into this episode, pause just really quick, scroll down, give us a rate and review on your favorite podcast app. It would really help us, and we greatly appreciate your support. It is Friday, July 15th. We are going to finish up the AFC North talking about the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Before that, we're going to talk a little bit about our Scott Fishbowl teams and the... The word just jumped right out of my head. The exodus of Matthew Berry. I don't know what I was going to say there now. It's completely gone. Matthew Berry, the probably the... I feel like he's industry-wide considered the godfather of fantasy um, and the way he has been able to push forward the fantasy space from becoming a niche to probably the most played and celebrated game in, in all of fantasy. All of, I, w- I want to like generalize just men, but I feel like it's a lot of people play it. it was, it's like a $7 billion industry, something like that. And a lot of that was kind of brought to the forefront by him. So we will have a discussion on that. But gentlemen, how are you guys doing on this amazing Friday? Man, it has been an amazing Friday. We went down to the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music with my soon-to-be high school senior who is going to be pursuing a music degree. And uh, we had a really nice visit, got to you know walk past Nippert Stadium and our dining commons meal overlooked the stadium. Beautiful campus, and he came away um, thoroughly secure in the fact that he's going to go to the Ohio State School of Music. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Uh, it's been going okay here. It's VBS week, so, you know, trying to keep hundreds of small children alive. It hits different when you're um, you're in charge of, like, the safety and security aspect. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, isn't there a ratio? Like, can't you, you know, you can lose like what, three of a thousand and still get a passing grade or something like that? I really don't think that's how that works. Yeah. Oh. I was say, I don't, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that's how that works. Yeah. I was, it, it's, it's, I'm glad that it feels like Dennis had a great Friday because, like, I, well, and then I, I'm going to go tonight right there, so. to Picktown Palooza. Stephen Piercy of Rad is playing, going to go, uh, 
relive my hair metal days, listen to a little rock and roll. And I might even go back tomorrow night because Faster Pussycat, L.A. Guns, and Tom Kiefer of Cinderella are playing. So I may double dip this weekend in that 80s hair metal. Whereas I made a startling discovery that the Stranger Things chicken nuggets aren't actually chicken. They're well, uh, are they? They're they're, fi- they're fake meat nuggets. Oh, I mean, I guess that somewhat makes sense. Yeah, I was, like half of what Dennis said, I wasn't sure he was speaking English there for a minute, so I was kind of still trying to to catch him. Yeah, I, I also I'm like completely out of it. I busted a window open today with my head, so oh, I'm nice. not a. Not really. That's not the word I would use to describe it. But uh, you know, it is what it is. So oh. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm all here. Was but, it the uh, back of your head? Because the front no, of your this, head uh, is no worse for wear. Oh, I know. This is this is the money maker right here. I can't mess. I completely turned to make sure I caught the side of my head. I don't want to mess this bad boy up. So I can't. Uh, you know, I don't want to not get the Sean McVay comparisons. Every time I do, I send take a picture and send it to my wife. <laughs> Aren't you lucky that I look like him? Anyways. Scott Fishbowl, we are all in it again. Dennis finished his up. Uh, Matt and myself are still drafting. I think we're in round 10-ish, maybe. 11. I just made my 10th round pick, waiting for number 12 to make his two. Huh. Matt, how you are you feeling? are in the team? same spot. Are we? Because okay, yeah, I've made 10 picks now, too. How, how are you feeling right now about your Scott Fishbowl team currently? I felt really good at the beginning, but uh, this was not. This was a suboptimal week uh, for me to have these kind of important drafts going on. Uh, and I don't remember making some of these picks, and yet they happen. Like somehow I have Miles Sanders on my team, so I guess I'm going to be pulling for Miles Sanders this season. Uh, depending on where you drafted him, I don't think that's a terrible thing. I mean he he's a good running back. He just didn't score any touchdowns, and I feel like he's going to have a better year this year than he did last year. I might have uh, probably took him in the eighth round. Um, I have three quarterbacks, which feels good. Quarterbacks were were going off the board, and I wanted um, reliable, which I feel like with Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, and Jared Goff, I have three guys that are going to be reliable. I think Goff actually will be a decent fantasy option this year, and none of them are in what you might call a quarterback controversy, so I don't really have to worry about um, getting jobbed that way. I was happy with Javante Williams. I got Keenan Allen, so I have that sweet Herbert to Allen connection. Um, I went for upside with my tight ends with Dalton Schultz, who I think could end up as a top five tight end if he signs his franchise tag, and Pat Fryermuth, who you and I are – higher on than other people. And you know what? Ride or die. And I got Allen Robinson, which I thought was a steal from my uh, wide receiver too. I got him in the sixth round. Yeah, I just drafted Friar. So I was actually going to draft him last night. We did our ranking summit for our QBs at the website. Austin, one of the co-founders, good friend, as Matt, you know as well, big Steelers fan. So I was debating. I was like, you know, I'm sitting there. There was three players I was debating between Damian Harris Gabriel Davis and Pat Fryermuth. I was like, I really want to get a tight end. I feel like Pat Fryermuth could be a top five guy. I think I want to go him. They've been some other tight ends going. I'm kind of surprised he's still on the board. And Austin was like, don't do it. He's not going to have a good year. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so like I passed on him. And then it kind of dropped back to me here in the 10th round. I was just kind of like, man, like I just, I, I, we talked a lot about it with the Steelers preview on Monday, like just how often he was targeted in the red zone. And I know it's different quarterback, the same offensive coordinator and everything. I, I just, I, I just went with it. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take him. Uh, I mean, I'm, I feel okay about my team. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Surprisingly, there's still a decent amount of quarterbacks left on the board now after everybody kind of went and got, a bunch. There's a couple who only still have one in our draft, but like Jared Goff is still available. I thought about, I'm thinking about possibly going him just to wrap up a third quarterback, but I've got uh, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson as my quarterbacks. Running backs are Damian Harris, Najee Harris, and Josh Jacobs, which I, I mean, I like Najee. Jacobs has been good. I don't feel great about the two behind him, but I kind of figured I needed to punt at least one position. Jacobs so. and Miles Sanders, you and I just like. Yeah, it's, it's going against our willpower and taking the class well, of 2018 I, I mean, I, right back. I love Damian Harris. It's more of just it's New England. I don't know what to think. I mean, he's been consistently good when given the carries. I just don't know what to think about him. I, I actually kind of like my wide receivers 
Uh, I got Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, Gabriel Davis, and DK Metcalf. So I was like, I kind of like that. I mean, I'm hoping a lot here for Drew Locke to come through for me on DK, and then obviously Pat Fryermuth. So could it's, end up it's, being Jimmy G if you're. If you're uh, I think that helps out Tyler Lockett a whole lot more, which scares me. He's still available. Maybe I'll take him. I don't know. But anyways, you know, I feel good about it. We'll see what happens over the weekend. Uh, the big news that I. I, I saw, obviously, but completely missed us talking about was Matthew Barry is leaving ESPN. I believe today is his last day. Is that correct? I think it was so, yesterday. Was it yesterday? Okay. He's officially leaving ESPN after 15 years. Again, as I mentioned in the beginning, I mean, he is the one who really kind of brought fantasy to the forefront. He took a shot with ESPN. ESPN took a shot on him. Um, and it obviously has worked out wonderfully for him and all of us. I mean, we are all benefiting from something that he was able to make uh, a big deal. I mean, Dennis, do you have any thoughts about him uh, leaving ESPN? Um, you know, where do I submit my resume? I don't know. <laughs> now, I, you know, Matthew, uh, so last year I played in his division in the Scott Fishbowl, the Jimmy Buffett division, um, and he was very gracious. He interacted with people. He was in the chat talking. I've been in a couple divisions where we've had quote unquote bigger names and they just, they did not, they didn't join the chat. They didn't interact with the other people. Uh, one of them even went so far as to make fun of everybody on his show. Um, and now he, I don't think he made the playoffs and we all relished in that, but still. Um, and that actually spawned, uh, you know, Mike Fiala, Mr. Daddy's home. Uh, that kind of was the launch pad for him was that year. But, you know, Barry has all, always been super nice. You know, when I've chatted with him um, last year and earlier this year, he's, I, you know, it's hard to say he's been responsive because I'm sure he gets a bajillion messages. Uh, but he's always been respectful to people. He blazed the trail for a lot of people. You know, we all, we all met on the Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life app. That's where I got my start writing when Fox gave me a job as a writer. And I have nothing but great things to say. And I, I fully expect that, you know, with his uh, involvement in the, the um, Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life website that just launched, you know, Elliot Christ is there, uh, Cooter Doodle, the, a, a bunch of really awesome people. And then uh, the Fantasy Life app, I think he's still involved with them and BetSperts um, since BetSperts acquired that. Uh, you know, I think he, he's going to be just fine. He's he's uh, one of the guys in my current Scott Fishbowl position draft slot uh, is a, a guy from ESPN. And, and he said, you know, there were no there was no animosity between him and the company that basically he's got a vision for what he wants to do with his career and they have a vision for what they want the person in his role to do. And they just couldn't make it work at this point. And he's like, you know, they've been great. He's been everybody. And you've seen everybody talking about, you know, the relationships he's built. I think he'll, I, I expect him to continue to be involved in the fantasy community and do great things and push people forward and be an advocate for the game that we love so much. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what he does next. Um, you know, I used to, especially when I was uh, first starting, I used to love to listen to the fantasy focus podcast. Um, you know, I still catch episodes now and then I actually um, liked his TV show. I know that it I would, did too. I thought it was, it was not the humor for everyone. My wife used to walk in and like, look at me and shake her head and look at the TV and look back at me and wonder what had happened to her in life. Uh, you know, happy 10 years, Lindsay. Uh, but you know, I enjoyed his show. I would watch it. It was a great way to, to unwind and it was a lot of fun. Um, and I, like you said, the early days of the fantasy life app were a great um, spot to meet and connect with people and, uh, form friendships uh, that have carried on to this day. I mean, we were just talking in the Dynasty League questions chat that we, it's officially the official DQL where, uh, you know, Bruning plays in that league. It's We're going into our seventh season, and it's just a bunch of guys who met on the Fantasy Life app and started a Dynasty League. 
Yeah, I mean, Dennis mentioned him getting his first job writing with that. The same for me with Matt. I started writing. It was Brown stuff. It was Brown's previews and recaps and then moved into fantasy. And then, I mean, here we all are. It's it's a, it's a crazy journey that it's been, I don't even know, it's I guess almost seven years, as Dennis just mentioned. That's a, It's insane to think that, I mean, yeah, I, I am, you know, He's going to be fine, regardless of what he decides to do. He again, he he pioneered the space, whether he goes and builds out his own website, as Dennis just mentioned, joins some other place that allows him to work on the vision that he wants to do, whatever it is, he will be just fine. And I'm sure everybody will continue to follow in his try and follow in his footsteps and, and kind of learn and and emulate what he does and we all appreciate everything he's done and growing this space again we would not be here likely if it was not for someone like him uh blazing the trail for us so let's talk a little bit about the cleveland browns i didn't realize they finished people who won't be fine baltimore yeah they really they, would i i really thought finished they with the same record somehow it's uh it's tiebreakers i guess it's because of yeah whatever in conference or division i don't know i i legit if you look at the graphic for the show it says ravens and browns because i literally thought the browns were the worst team in the afc north last year uh so that's a that's a little bit of an error on my end but anyways they finished with a eight and nine record third in the afc north their key departures, Baker Mayfield with his trade to the Panthers. Case Keenum goes to the Bills to back up Josh Allen. Jarvis Landry to the Saints. Rashard Higgins also to the Panthers. And Austin Hooper to the Titans. Their key additions, as everybody probably knows by now, Deshaun Watson was traded to the Browns from the Houston Texans. They also brought in Jacoby Brissett and Amari Cooper. Key additions from the uh, NFL draft rookies, David Bell, the wide receiver, and Jerome Ford, the running back. Matt, as of right now, it looks like Jacoby Brissett is going to be the starter day one. We still don't have any real news on what's going on with Deshaun Watson. I've seen anything from four games to a lifetime ban. It's incredible the stretch here that we have got of possible suspended games here for Deshaun Watson. How do you feel about this Browns passing attack? If Jacoby Brissett is the starter, let's we're going to attack all these questions from two different ways. If Brissett is the starter for the entire season, how do you view this Browns passing attack? First though, I'd be curious, you know, you mentioned the latest report was they're thinking you might get four to six games. I think you're going to see Michael Vick level protests outside. Cleveland's facility, if nothing. I mean, it's hard to imagine the NFL wouldn't just put him on the exemplars if that's what the lady says she thinks he should get. Yeah, I I can't imagine with what he's being charged with that the NFL would go, yeah, four to six games is sufficient. Accused of, not really yeah, charged. Accused. He hasn't yeah. been charged with anything. Yeah, yeah. Accused, with, accused of um, incredibly – um, it's a, it, it's a crazy, I mean, Houston, they, Houston was added to the suit or named on a suit and they just settled with 30 people. Yeah. They, they were like, screw 30, this. Yeah. 30 of the women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're, we're not, we're not dealing with it. Um, you know, he's still Watson is being drafted as QB 20, um, in super flex leagues right now on sleepers. Uh, what is it? The uh, January, uh, July 13th, uh, ADP that just came out. And yeah, I was curious, did you, you obviously finish your Scott Fishbowl? Did he get drafted at 902? So, in our, I don't know what your guys' league is like, he has not been drafted, I don't think, in our Scott Fishbowl in our group chat that we have on Twitter. There was a lot of folks talking about how they were just not, not going to do it and whether we should just make a pact as a as a conference that we weren't going to draft them, which I'm, I'd be fine with. Look, but Well, really quick on that, I will happily enter a pact that I'm not drafting Deshaun Watson, and then I'm not going to lie, I will take him with my last pick. I don't. Like, if, if someone wants to make that pact, I'll be that the ass and not do that. I, I'm sorry. If, if there's a chance he comes back, like, so. You are I, right. If he comes back. I, I want to preference this by. We don't fully know what happened i cannot believe 30 women all just decided to come together one day and say this is what happened and all be lying clearly there's some truth to whatever happened 
my opinion is that he is a garbage human being. That being said, I mean, if he gets four games, you're 100% right, Matt. There are going to be people protesting outside Cleveland Brown Stadium. They deserve to protest. I don't. I can't tell anybody how they should or shouldn't feel about how all that, whether you're a person who, whether I disagree or agree with your stance on what you think about Deshaun Watson, if you want to put football first, whatever. I don't. But if you want to put football first, that's fine. You do you. It's your life. You're allowed to live it the way you choose. If we're all being honest, if he gets a four to six game ban, it's going to be hell in Cleveland for a season. Every time he starts, you're going to get booze, all this other stuff. It's going to go away. It just is. I, I hate to say that, but we've seen anything and everything that's happened off field. We've seen NFL players kill people, whether on, well, I shouldn't say on purpose, accidentally manslaughter, drunk driving incidents that have seen people get killed. They get, they're out of the league for six months and then they're back in and playing. They're not everybody on earth, just in general, is a good person that has good things in their heart and does things to, to people. Difference is, I have someone I work with that was a very bad person in their life. He's actually a very nice person. Now, like, people make mistakes. We can't, I just, I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I hate having this discussion. So, whatever happens with Watson, wherever you stand, you can do what you want to do. We've got to attack this from a fantasy perspective though so if he comes back after four games like we're going to talk about him come week five whether you like him playing or not right Matt like we have to we we can't avoid him we can't say we don't like Deshaun Watson as a person so we can't talk about him and I hate that because I do know people get very upset when you talk about Deshaun Watson having a football career after what he's done but the uh, the point of this show is we have to talk about him so so to answer your original question the one I think that potentially gains or suffers the most is probably Amari Cooper. Um, you look at his current ADP going as wide receiver 21. I think that's a lot of people thinking that Watson plays at least half a season. And if that's the case, that's probably fine. Jacoby Brissett, the last time he was a full season starter was 2019 for the Indianapolis Colts. He, the team went seven and nine and missed the playoffs. He threw for a little less than 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns. I think we all remember it wasn't exactly exciting. Um, They had two different receivers that got 72 targets, but that was kind of tops on the team. He had 58 targets to a running back, 68 targets to one receiver, 72 to the other, 72 to the tight end. I don't think that's great for fantasy. Maybe Amari Cooper's probably better than what they got in the 10 games out of T.Y. Hilton or Zach Pascal on that team. So, you know, maybe he gets over 100 targets, but I still think he ends up as a wide receiver three in that offense. David Njoku probably is a high-end tight end, too, and I don't want any of the rest of the the receivers in that case because I don't think they're reliable starts. If you were looking at value. I actually don't really think any of the current ADPs for Cleveland's players make them incredible values. And Joku's going as tight end 21. I think he probably finishes a little bit better than that, but I don't think he's, you know, I I don't think it's necessarily exceptionally better than that. The one that probably is an ADP I like best is Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's going at wide receiver 74. But I don't know if he thrives, you know, if Jacoby Brissett is in there. Even with Baker Mayfield in there last year, they didn't have a robust passing game. Uh, They did a lot of it on the ground, and I'm not – I don't really think Jacoby Brissett's better than Baker Mayfield. With – I think if Brissett plays this year, the offense is going to sputter. It may be – you know, right now, Nick Chubb is going as running back 11 in redraft. And if Brissett plays, I think then Chubb might be able to actually deliver uh, on uh, a little better value than that because I feel like he'll get some increased volume. Um, but with Donovan Peoples-Jones, it's a it's a dynasty play all the way. If you believe in him, if you believe that when uh, – Watson comes back that next season Jones will be able to step up or David Bell will be able to step up. Jones is going as wide receiver seven. Uh, Peoples Jones is going at wide receiver 71 in dynasty. 
And if you can wait another year to see if uh, just being a professional wide receiver will push him to break out next year with Deshaun Watson, I think that could be an incredible value, like you said, Matt. I don't think he's going to deliver much. You know, could he? I don't think it'll take a lot for him to finish higher than wide receiver 74 in redraft. But do you at all worry with Will Fuller still hanging out there that they're just waiting to see what the suspension total is to see if that's worth bringing in? I mean, it could be, but I don't think that fits necessarily Stefanski's offense. But it might I, crush Donovan Peoples-Jones' upside. Well, but I, but not if you're looking at next year still. I think Fuller is waiting for an offer from Green Bay. I think that's where he will have uh, you know, his best opportunity. Go in there as a veteran presence and uh, be able to kind of lift the lid off there at, with a quarterback that's more than willing to chuck it downfield. That was weird. I've never, I've never been the only one before. That was scary. He was very impressed with your comments. Yeah, I was trying to. I don't think Will Fuller's coming to the Browns. I know a lot of people. I think a lot of people are just making that because of the Deshaun Watson, and they've both said that they want to play with each other. But I also think with the players, I mean, maybe Will Fuller's not going to get a massive contract, but with the players the Browns have coming up for for contract renewals and. Moving forward, I don't think the salary cap is going to be there for them to just continue to make moves like that. So I don't think Fuller's coming over. I mean, I, I've said it before. I so don't what, think what I hear is he's going to the Rams because they don't have a salary cap. That might be true. I don't know that they necessarily need him either, but you know, well, they might do it just just for the hell of it. Uh, I, I'm not really big on Amari Cooper either. I and mean, we talked a lot about this earlier. I think um, when Matt mentioned that, I guess I could have just done that. I was too busy talking to my son there. I guess I could have just like actually looked this up when uh, Matt was bringing that up. There we go. So the highest um, T.Y. Hilton finish, there was two years that he started in Indy. Matt mentioned the best year that he had. That was probably the year that Hilton finished wide receiver 27 which I guess is not bad for fantasy. That's a high-end wide receiver three, right? But Amari Cooper is going as, uh, what is his ADP? Wide Wide receiver receiver 21. So maybe Jacoby Brissett targets him a little bit more, and he does a little bit better. But I'm not going to bet on that, especially with that offense. They're going to want to run the ball. It's actually why I don't necessarily love Nick Chubb either because I think the defenses know that and as amazing as a running back as he is he's been typically top 12 I'm almost positive he's been almost top 10 every single season you're getting a little bit of value there for him at RB 11 but I think there's a chance he finishes outside the top 12 this year because I think they'll use Kareem Hunt some as well I don't know what to do with this offense I really don't like I don't think Brissett that changes one of anything the big for them with Brissett in the Colts, he targeted Neheim Hines 58 times. They dumped a lot down to the running back, and you do have a point that if they were going to dump to the running back, they are probably picking Hunt. Yeah, and, and I mean, if, if Hunt's traded like we think possibly could happen, then it's going to go to Jerome Ford. I don't think they're going to use Chubb that way. So it's just a – this offense is just not going to be good. I, I do think that this could still be a decent team because of how good that defense is set, shaping up to be. And maybe if they turn the ball over or give Brissett and the Browns offense some short fields to play with, they'll do something. But I'm just not banking on them having a really high season. I'm out on Donovan Peoples-Jones. Like, I get the values there at wide receiver 74. I would not be surprised if he doesn't even bring back that value. Like, you're counting on Brissett to do something for him. I don't think he's going to. I actually think the player who probably has the best chance to do something and i imagine he doesn't even have a he does wide receiver 70 wow he's going before donovan people jones but it's it's david bell because he's going to be in the short area of the field like percent i don't think he's going to throw the ball deep which is going to hurt people's jones so i think bell could be a sneaky guy but he's only a guy i'm grabbing in best ball i'm not grabbing him in a, in a lineup league because i'm never going to feel good about starting david bell unless he has like three or four straight games of like 10 points and in which case that week i started he's going to get you one so it's just a whole, like, I'm out completely on this offense. It feels like the Hayden Hurst uh, experience. It really, it again. really is. I will, I'm probably going to draft him this year. I see he's going very late in Scott Fishbowl. I'm going to take another shot on him. But anyways, 
Yeah, so it's just Chubb last year. Chubb was uh, running back thirteen, but he okay. missed three games. He missed yeah. three games, and uh, he had two hundred twenty-eight carries and eight touchdowns. So if you give him, you know, fifty more carries, I, I feel like he can deliver on that RB eleven, even if he does lose a little bit of efficiency, because they do have a good offensive line. But that's what I think Matt was saying. And I was saying, like, I don't think their ADPs for some of them are bad. They're just not a value. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I think. Like, if you take Chubb, I mean, it's probably fair value. I mean, 31.6. Like, I just feel like RB11 is probably his upside this year. Like, I think he's a much better running back than that. But with the way this offense is going to look, especially with the defenses they're going to play in the AFC North, the Bengals getting better. We know the Steelers and the Ravens always have good defenses. They're going to come into those games saying, we know we need to stop Nick Chubb. We're going to make Jacoby Brissett beat us. And I don't think he's going to be able to do it. Therefore, it puts a lot on Nick Chubb. And while I do think he could, like, he could definitely prove me wrong. I think he is by far the best running, just pure running back. Pure running back in the the NFL with how good he is with his vision, cutbacks, everything. Best pure runner in the NFL. That doesn't help you when you don't have the teammates around you to be able to help you. I don't know. Amari Cooper's not going to break the game if he gets a ball. Uh, like, if he gets, like, a five-yard catch, he's not a guy who's going to then take it and turn it and, and take it to the house. Like, there's just so much going against this offense. I personally am probably fading the entire offense this year. It just is what it is. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. We've got a ton of Major League Baseball games going on right now. Golf, MMA, and more with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Everything and anything you need to get money. DraftKingsSportsbook.com is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet and get up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. Download the DraftKingsSportsbookapp.com, and again, use promo code TPPN at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP or 7867 in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369 in New York or visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and up or 18 and up in Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Dennis, we just talked obviously a little bit about Chubb and Hunt, who have been a great duo. I'd argue probably the best duo in all of the NFL do you think either one of these guys finishes as a top 12 back? and Or do you think, or I guess top 12, or do both finish top 24? How do you view their fantasy finishes in 2022? Well, I, I do feel that Chubb is going to be able to, as long as he plays all 17 games, I think he comes in as a low-end RB1. He's just too good a running back. At some point, the talent just takes over. Um, even if Brissett starts the whole season, you know, Stefanski wants to run the ball and, and they'll protect Brissett in the passing game. Hunt last year, he played eight games, had 78 carries, um, but he had two more targets than Nick Chubb. So in a Jacoby Brissett-led Cleveland Browns offense, I'm expecting Kareem Hunt to get 75 targets. So I would see 270 carries, 275 carries for Nick Chubb, 75 targets, because they're, 
the offense just uses two backs. That's what they do. Um, we know Chubb is the superior running back. Hunt is the superior receiver. There is some overlap. So if Chubb gets 35 targets and 275 carries, that's over 300 touches. I think he can deliver on that back end QB1. But right now, Hunt is going as RB33, so um, a back end uh, running back three. I feel like with his production that he gets in the passing game, he's going to have an opportunity to deliver an RB2 season. So there might be some value there, uh, even with Brissett at the quarterback, because we've seen Hunt's got a nose for the end zone. He can He's an exceptional pass blocker and pass catcher. While Chubb does a lot of those things well, too, Cunt is, or Cunt, Hunt is probably the best at it in the uh, uh, whole NFL. He's, he's one of the best at, at running backs in the passing game. Uh, I, I think that, put, I should have put a period between the K and the H, I guess. Uh, quite a pair. Uh, I think the ADPs are right on. I was just looking at my redraft rankings. I have Chubb at RB11 and uh, Hunt at RB32, which is pretty much dead on. Where Amari Cooper would probably be the one that would benefit the most if Deshaun Watson plays substantial time. I would wager Hunt is the one that suffers the most based on what we've seen of Deshaun Watson and the Texans. You know, we were all got excited when like they had Duke Johnson, they've had other pass catching running backs. Does not seem like that's a big part of Deshaun Watson's game using those pass catching running backs. So it's probably hedging a little bit. You might be better off if you're rostering Kareem Hunt if Jacoby Brissett is back there because he'll at least get the dump offs. Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously just talked a little bit about it, so I won't speak long. I, I, I just, I'm Nick Chubb. I think RB11 is probably the best he's going to do this season. I hope he outperforms that because I love the player, have a lot of shares of Nick Chubb. But I feel like RB11 is probably fair for him. Kareem Hunt, RB33, I actually do think he could probably outperform that, but I don't know that he jumps up to like RB24. It would really have to be he gets a ton of dump-offs a la Naheem Hines in, in Indy, and I don't know that he does because Naheem Hines was out there a lot back in that day. That was before Jonathan Taylor. I think that may have been – was that Marlon Mack injury year? So that might have been why Naheem Hines was out there so much. We won't see Hunt out there as much as Naheem Hines was. So I think that will bring his value back a little bit. I might be willing to take a shot on Hunt just because of the PPR value there. But again, I just I'm kind of out on on all of this stuff. If really quick, so that we can get to the over-unders and then move on to the Ravens. Let's just say Deshaun Watson comes back before week 10, just to kind of again. The latest rumors for anybody who hasn't paid attention is four to six games. So if you give them a couple games to get ready, we're just going to say week 10. That's obviously four weeks before most playoffs start. Would you be willing to take a shot on Watson? Do you think that changes the offense overall as a whole? Who would you bet on, Matt? Just real quick. I think it benefits Cooper the most and probably hurts Hunt, as I said, but the other thing to consider is at that point in time, Watson would have been out for 18 months. Um, and you're talking about mid-season football. He's used to playing in a dome in Houston, uh, outdoors in Cleveland, and the schedule they play and the defenses they play is going to be a little bit different. I'm not sure it would be an exceptional um, closing stretch. If you're talking about going – if you need a Hail Mary to try to make the playoffs, maybe you're putting him in there. But if you're in good shape and in the playoffs, I don't know if you uh, you might want to let him play a few games and see what you get. Yeah, I, I certainly think if you are already in the playoffs and playoff contention, you know, you, you want to let him see how he acclimates to the outdoor weather up there. One thing about Watson, when he came into the league and threw at the combine, his – uh, velocity was an outlier for how well he has done in the fact that it it was below the typical threshold of successful quarterbacks um, with, with his velocity. Now, whether he's gotten stronger in the NFL or he's just that good with ball placement and anticipation, uh, or it just frankly doesn't matter, 
Uh, I'm not sure because he has been extremely successful. Um, but I, I think if he's if he's playing, you got to you give him a game or two. But when, if he's playing with the weapons that they have, from a pure fantasy perspective, you got to give him a shot. Unless you've got two guys that are clearly better, you throw him in there. So real quick, Jacoby Brissett's season that he was a starter, 2019, his best wide receiver finish was Pascal wide receiver, 52. Where do you think Neheim Hines finished? Oh, I know that was the year he was massive. It was like it was up in the RB wasn't that 10 like to 12 RB range, wasn't 13? it? Running back, 42. Oh, wow. Or Naheem Hines? Mo- yes, wow. Marlon Mack was running back 22. Okay, that's not that bad. But that's when they but, were splitting time, though, still. That's what – again, well, that's – Hines got all the um, receiving, receiving work. Right. work. Yeah. But I don't think – so the one thing I'll say different on that, again, not that I do think Hunt's going to have a great season, but I, the reason I would say he's some value is St- Stefanski will run him more than I think Hines will get. And they do tend to use for God knows what reason, because it drives me crazy as a Browns fan. When they get down in the red zone, they seem to put Hunt in there a whole lot more than Chubb at times, and it drives me crazy. But, I again, I'm out with Brissett. Nose if for the one, end zone. If, if Watson is there, I would be willing to – I feel much better about every, Chubb, Hunt, Cooper maybe. I'm still kind of iffy on him at that point. I feel like – it's going to be is what it is. I don't, I, I wouldn't personally trust anybody but the running backs at that point in the playoffs if, if Watson comes back. I still like him, Joku. So do I. Because Jack, Jack Doyle had a good season with Brissett. Jack Doyle had reliable hands. Next, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the over under with the Browns. So we're going to assume Jacoby Brissett's playing this the whole season. They have actually not put a, uh, over under out there because there's no been ruling on Deshaun Watson. So I'm just going to put it at five and a half games because I feel, or I'll go six and a half. I feel like that's a fair number with Jacoby Brissett playing. Matt, you said that they got to seven or eight wins with him in Indy. I feel like this is a probably fairly comparable offensive line, probably better defense at the moment. I'm still going to take the under. I just think it's going to be a really bad season for the Browns. Everything going on off the field and Brissett is a starter. I would take the under on six and a half. What about you guys? Taking the over. I think the so the range of wins I feel like for them is between four and nine, and it really depends on the length of suspension. But if it's percent, I'm under six and a half. If it's eight games or less for Watson, I think they I'm with Dennis. I'm slightly over. Yeah, it's it's just that back half of the season. It's yeah. brutal for if anybody's looked at that schedule. Like they get a lot of easy matchups. Brissett could easily win. I think it's like three of the first four games. But once they get close to where is it? So when they get like to October, Ravens, Bengals, I would say it's probably going to be two losses. Dolphins possibly a win, but then you get the Bills, the Bucks, Texans probably a win. Then Bengals, Ravens, Saints, Washington's probably a win, Steelers. Like They've got like two to three wins in the entire back half of their schedule. I don't – I think six is a fair number because they could probably win the first three fairly easy. They've got a, a – what was it? I know the Panthers are week one, and I'm, I'm not even no. a lot. Browns fan that I am, I'm rooting for them to lose. Then they get Jets, Steelers, and then Falcons, but they're not beating the Chargers. They're probably not beating the Patriots with, with Jacoby Brissett. So – the Baltimore Ravens finished 8-9 last year, fourth in the AFC North. Marquise Brown was traded to the Cardinals. Sammy Watkins goes to the Packers as their key departures. Key additions, they added Mike Davis and Kyle Fuller. Their rookies... <laughs> Sorry, I just got a text message. Charlie Charlie Kohler, the tight end. Isaiah Likely, the tight end. And Tyler Batty, the running back. Dennis, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards missed all of 2021, and there's not really been a lot of positive news so far on them coming back and starting week one. What do you expect from them for 2022, and what do you expect out of the rest of this backfield? Well, Lamar is going to be Lamar and probably vie for the team lead in rush attempts. Uh I do think there's a chance they could ease Dobbins into the season, but I think Dobbins is clearly the most talented back in Baltimore. Uh, Gus Edwards is a good back, 
but I feel like Dobbins is going to get the lion's share of the work once they feel like he's fully healthy. Um, Mike Davis is there as security. If they, if they need to hold off the first couple games of the year, Davis is a quote unquote competent professional back. Um, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes in what he's doing out there at this stage of his career, though. He just isn't that he's just not that good. You know, he's a capable blocker. He'll catch a pass. He'll get what's blocked. So I think Davis will get a couple games, a little bit of play at the very beginning of the season. Once they feel like Dobbins has shown them that he's good to go, then Dobbins is going to get the the work. He's the best running back in that offense. Gus will flash and be there and split some time. He'll get some full series and he'll have some good games. Uh, but I think Gus will end up being more volatile than uh, consistent throughout the season once they get rolling. I'm uh, I'm in on Dobbins at uh, running back 24. I, I feel like that does present a little bit of value opportunity. Um, I, I, I guess, well, he may finish the season as running back 24, but I think it'll be one of those situations where you go, well, when he started playing full-time, from that point on, so game three on or game four on, you know, he's running back 14 or something like that. Yeah, so the Ravens, much like the Browns, when when you're looking at it where their ADPs are going, I don't see a ton of value in the ADPs. I'm with you about Dobbins. You know, I have him finishing as RB21. I bet that he's better than that toward the end of the season, but you're going to, it seems like they're tracking toward neither he nor Edwards being ready to go at the beginning of the season, which makes Mike Davis, whose current ADP is running back 75, an interesting guy at the beginning of the season, because we've seen Davis come in to good situations uh, like where he was in Carolina and put up RB2 numbers. Baltimore has a great line and they love to run. So I think, you know, if Davis ends up getting the starting work for four or five games, that could be really good value at the beginning of the season. And it's not a huge investment, but I'm excited to see what Dobbins can do. I think we've been excited to see what Dobbins could do if he ever got turned loose. It was a real bummer about the injury last year. Um, But I'm excited to see him come back. Same. Davis, I, I just found him. I just found him in sleepers ADP at running back ninety two. I uh, I do think Dobbins will be fine. I don't think he's going to be an RB one. Uh, even if he starts off the season, there's a lot of reports, and I don't know if it was ever confirmed exactly what he tore, but rumors. I know there was the ACL, but a lot of the stuff said that it was more than just that. Uh, and it may take him some time to fully bounce back. I think if Gus Edwards comes back, they're still going to use both of them simultaneously. We don't necessarily see Lamar check down to the running back a ton. He obviously steals some rushing work. I think that'll continue. So I think Dobbins will be fine at the end of the year. If he starts, whether it's week one, week two, or three, I think he probably still finishes top 20, but I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to trust that he's going to bounce back to what I thought he could be as a rookie. I mean, he actually had a fairly good back end of his rookie uh, rookie year, and then that's why we had so much hope for him last year, and obviously, unfortunately, that injury happened. Um, at his ADP, which, where did it go here? RB24, I'm willing to pay that because I think he does outproduce that. You just might not have him to start the season, and if I do take Dobbins, I honestly, I very rarely handcuff. I would take Edwards because I do feel like They complement each other well. If Edwards starts out the season, I'd actually be fine starting him as my guy until Dobbins comes back. And if either one suffers an injury, I think they'll lean heavily on that other one and then mix in a Mike Davis or, I mean, I'm just kind of out on Justice Hill and and at least Batty for right now. I don't don't really care. I think it's going to be those three for the most part. Dennis, uh, Marquise Brown is gone. What do you expect from Lamar and this passing game? And how do we feel about Rashad Bateman heading into year two? Well, I don't think that uh, Baltimore would have traded Hollywood if they weren't comfortable with where Bateman was in in his development. Uh, 
I know Brown wanted out. He wanted to go to a more prolific passing offense. And it almost feels like that the the Ravens did him that favor by saying, look, we know what this offense is and how well it runs with Lamar. And this is what it is. So let us, we'll move you. We'll, we'll you know, make the team better at another spot because we feel like we have people in house that can do what you did and we'll be able to still uh, hold up very well with what this offense is. Um, you know, Bateman is, uh, you know, it's make or break, I guess, for him. And it's crazy to say that in year two that uh, he needs to um, step up and, and take over, but really he does. You know, there's been a lot of good talk about what De- uh, Devin DuVernay is doing. We know what Mark Andrews brings to the table. Um, but Baltimore is a run-first offense. We've seen Lamar have a very efficient passing season. And with Bateman being bigger than uh, Hollywood Brown was, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see an uptick over the past couple years in Lamar's passing efficiency. Yeah, so the for me, the passing game ADPs are right in line with where I have them, you know, ranked two. Lamar's going as QB4, Andrews is going as tight end two. You know what you're going to get with them as long as Lamar Jackson can stay on the field. He's a top five guy. Mark Andrews, top three tight end. could be. He was tight end one last year, could be again. So you're not getting a lot of value. I'll be curious to see um, what Bateman does. I currently – he's going as wide receiver 32. That's right about uh, where I had him in my redraft rankings. I don't know what this passing game exactly is going to be. I'll be curious to see. They are very young. Um, Devin DuVernay and James Prochet at, in the going into their all of their third year in the NFL are the veterans in that group. Um, they have a lot of young receivers, a lot of questions. I'll be interested to see who steps up. There's probably somebody in that Baltimore Ravens wide receiving group that's going to get an opportunity and is going to step up, but it's impossible to guess who that is right now, and that's going to be the part that will be interesting to watch through training camp in the first part of the season. You know what I find really interesting, Fox, is that, you know, you, we talk a lot, and by we, I mean you, talk a lot about the misperception of the Arizona offense and their passing volume. And then last season, the Ravens were ninth in pass attempts and first in total plays. I'll be curious to see, do they bring those pass attempts back down with Lamar playing a full slate of games? I think they couldn't run. Um, yeah, if you remember, they had kind of the the poos of veterans. That, and, you know, they gave a lot of carries, but they weren't getting a lot of yards. Right, but they still ran a lot of plays and they made through a lot of passes, six hundred eleven pass attempts. Yeah, I I still think Bateman will be fine. I liked him a lot coming out of the draft last year. I do think that my biggest fear with him is that him and Andrews just operate in similar parts of the field for the most part. Andrews is still used a little bit as a deep threat, which is very intriguing to me as well because of him being a tight end, but he does get up the seams a lot. And Bateman, I think, will work more toward the sidelines. We'll see what happens with him. I'm willing to bet, though, on Bateman at his ADP of wide receiver 32. I I easily think he can outscore that. I think... It would be, it's hard for me to imagine him not being at least like RB24. I think he could finish in the RB24 to 28, RB, my bad, wide receiver 24 to 28 range, um, at which case he outproduces that ADP. Obviously, Mark Andrews is an absolute stud. While I don't think he finishes his tight end one this year, like some people do, I think he will take a little bit of a step back. I'm positive, I think I've mentioned it on here. You look at what he did last year. He was in line for like 900 receiving yards and everything before Lamar Jackson got hurt. Then is it Tyler Huntley? I always forget who the backup was. When Tyler Huntley came in, if you look at those last five games, he he hyper-targeted Andrews. I believe it was three of those went over 100 yards, including two. It was like 160, 150. That put him over that 1,000-yard mark and got him the touchdowns that vaulted him to tight end one. If you go back and look at the two years prior to that, and I know Andrews missed a little bit of time his second year, and obviously his first year he wasn't the all-out starter just yet. He was working with Hayden Hurst at the time. 
he he was averaging right around that 800 to 900 mark with with a decent amount of touchdowns. So I think he is going to fall back a little bit to like tight end two or three, but he's still one of the best in the game. And Andrews is still going to look for him a lot. I think it's going to be the like he'll be Travis Kelsey to Patrick Mahomes is, is what what I would you know put the offense toward. Like Lamar is going to target Mark Andrews number one. He should be perfectly fine. Is there any wide receiver dynasty wise now? Obviously, we we just redraft talked the hell out of that. Is there any uh, wide receiver you'd be willing to possibly take a shot on that's sitting on their team for a dynasty stash, possibly for next year? You mean or, other than Bateman? Yes, other than Bateman. Yeah, Bateman's the obvious one. I mean, Prochet and Duvernay are literally end of the benchers. First guy cut if you want to make a move. I, you know, maybe Duvernay is the the top of those two, but I don't know that I'm gonna, you know, be actively seeking out either of them uh, in trade deals. Though I do screwy stuff sometimes. Like I've been sitting around as an Ohio State fan, convincing myself that you know maybe Trey Sermon isn't as bad as he seems. And so I've been throwing out a bunch of Trey Sermon for a future fourth round pick offers. And I, I actually ended up getting him for a, a third in a six, late third and a 16 teamer. So, you know, I'll take a shot like that. So I could see if, if you're going to make a play, I think Duvernay is the guy um, of the two, but I think overall there's not going to be enough, I just don't feel like there's going to be enough volume to go to additional receivers to make them consistently viable. It's going to be Bateman. It's going to be Andrews. It's going to be Dobbins and then, you know, scraps for everybody else. I'll be quicker. Uh, No, none (laughs) of them have contract security. None of them have a defined role. Somebody will arrive. That's where I said, it's worth watching. You know, I would wager most of those players are floating somewhere on a on a waiver wire. Watch preseason. Watch the early season. See if somebody develops chemistry. Tyler Wallace for me. He's he was an intriguing guy for me coming out of Oklahoma State. I, I really liked him. I did think he was a little bit too. Similar to Rashad Bateman, which worried me obviously about both of them. Bateman, the a little bit better player, but I don't think Prochet or Devin Duvernay are going to really do much of anything. Someone else has got to play opposite of Rashad Bateman. I don't think it's going to be Slade Bolden. I don't think it's going to be Malachi Polk. I honestly think there's a realistic shot. It's Tylen Wallace. Last round pick guy. I'm not telling you to take him in like the 15th round, but last round pick guy, see what happens with him. I, I, I did like him a lot coming out of Oklahoma State. All right, that will – oh, over-under. So they are set right now, where is it, at 9.5. Matt, you taking the over-under? I'm taking the slight over. I mean, they were 8-9 and nine last year. They probably were an 11-win team that squandered a few games. Yeah, I feel like over um, – I think 10 wins is pretty comfortably within their range of outcomes. I'm gonna take the slide under. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I think they're gonna be better than the Browns, but I think the Bengals are probably going to repeat as a really good team this year. We took the over on them. I took the over on the Steelers. I don't know that this is division that has three teams with really good records this year. The Again. Steelers over under was seven, so they can end up with eight yeah. and still be the over. Yeah. It's not a really good. <laughs> I, well, I said I thought they – well, yeah, we, we did we go through the schedule and it was like eight wins. Yeah. I think they can get to nine. But I, I'm, I'm going to take the slide under. I'm gonna, I think they can get to nine wins too. I, I don't think that they it's can. It's that last game, Pittsburgh and Ravens. It's going to define your fate with both Pittsburgh and the Ravens. And that's just a horrible thing to put on me because I hate both teams with a passion. And I'm going to be rooting for one of them just to be right on one of these things. So that will do it for us today. We will be back on Monday talking about – NFC uh, North. NFC North, that probably made sense if I just used my brain, common sense and all. Uh, So who was it? Packers and... Packers and Vikings. Vikings, interesting. So just a show note, we will remind you guys on Monday, we will not have two live shows next week. We will still have two podcasts if you do watch us live. 
Uh, we will be live on Monday to talk Packers Vikings, but all of us have stuff going on. We all need a, a little bit of a break. So we're going to do some personal stuff. We will record. We will drop the podcast on Friday, but no live show. So everybody have yourselves a great day and a great weekend. And we will catch you guys again on Monday. Go right and re- prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. Do you got your pop on there? I came out the wall already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? <laughs> <laughs>